Uh, All right, well, today we're beginning a new sermon series. It's called My Best Advice. And what we're doing throughout this series is we're having various leaders in the church share uh, both from the scripture and from their personal experience uh, on a variety of topics. And today we're honored to have uh, Tim Barrett share his best advice on developing a devotional life. I think most of you uh, probably know Tim, but for those of you who don't, uh, Tim is a former associate professor of education at Mount Vernon Nazarene University. Uh, He is currently serving as the superintendent of Granville uh, Christian Academy. Uh, He has served in local church leadership for many years, been on elder boards, served on uh, in a different variety, in different capacities throughout the years. Uh, Here at the Vineyard, he is uh, currently leading our Beechwood Trails uh, Connect group, which is a very vibrant uh, group here in the church. Uh, He and his wife, Linda, are just uh, a wonderful couple, and uh, they are just a blessing to this congregation. We are enriched by having them as a part of ECC. And uh, so today, as he shares on developing a devotional life, I'm just going to ask you to open up your hearts and minds to what the Lord wants to share uh, with us through him. And uh, so as Tim comes now, why don't you guys put your hands together and help me uh, welcome him. Tim. I think that uh, crackling means that I'm on. So, <laughs> oh, welcome, greetings in the name of the Lord. Yeah, I'm really honored, and it's a pleasure for me to be able to share with you this morning. The Word of God in Psalms 122:1 says, "I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go to the house of the Lord.' I'm glad to be here with us, with all of you." And as I look out over the congregation, I think I've, I've met, you know, I think I've met everybody. Um, although uh, every once in a while there's a face that, that's new to me, and uh, the second service we're typically in the first. Uh, and I'm just blessed to be here to share and worship together with you this morning. An old preacher fellow used to say, uh, this and I thought, you know what, it makes a lot of sense and it's really true for me. I believe it is for you. Every Sunday morning he'd say uh, from the pulpit, I'd rather be here than the most comfortable and I can say today technologically advanced hospital anywhere in the world. Can you, can you agree with me? <laughs> Amen. You know, just a brief word. Um, uh, Wonderful wife, Linda, we met uh, in college at Oral Roberts University, and um, she happened to be from Las Vegas, Nevada, and I like to tease that, you know, I, I really met her out there at one of the uh, hotels, and <laughs> now a true story about Linda is she, she really did dance at the uh, Silver Slipper, um, With her twin in a, uh, in a recital when they were, what, five, four? So, but I mean, you know, you can, you can get some mileage out of that. So, um. But, you know, Linda and I have been married now 42 years. And, uh, yeah, praise the Lord. <laughs> One piece of advice, uh, young folks particularly, is you're, you get to that point, you're pondering marriage. 
keep away from Mother's Day weekend. I mean, think about it. Okay? I mean, you love your moms, right? But it's also anniversary and sort of tough making those two work. But I just tell you this because what, if there were one secular song that would uh, sort of be our theme song over 42 years that the, was played at, the prom, played at the prom once, uh, the Linda attended with me, happened to be um, our anniversary weekend, May 11th. Also uh, was Mother's Day. So we used to spend, and we'd go out for uh, you know, our anniversary. We'd go out and have, uh, have dinner before the prom. She'd go with me to the prom. and uh, That song was Huey Lewis in the News, Happy to be Stuck with You. <laughs> and we are. We're happy to be stuck with one another. God's put us together. You know, I've been in education all my life, and uh, I chose that uh, because a teacher, or several teachers, made a difference in my life. I knew they cared about me, they made learning fun, and my guess is that uh, all of you can probably point to at least one teacher in your past. So you know what? That was a great teacher. Well, there's kindergarten, first grade, you know, someone in 12th grade. Education's been important to me. Uh, probably didn't hurt that my mom was a uh, lifelong educator. Um, she is only a few months short of 94 and doing well, still living on her own. And she's a lifelong learner. Right now, she's learning how to use a PC and a Kindle Fire. It's amazing. <laughs> oh. You know, if I slip in and out of teaching mode, more of a teacher than a preacher, you'll understand why. Uh, my topic this morning is my best advice on developing an emotional life to thrive in relationship with Jesus Christ. If you glance briefly at your notes, you'll see between the use and the nows, you'll find a need it, find it, and keep it. My goal is to help you understand why you need a devotional life, how to find that devotional life, and how to keep it. I hope by the time we arrive at the end here that your desire to have a devotional life, and, and my guess is we're all over the charts. Some of you, maybe very little or none at all. Others, maybe well-developed and it's been that way for years. Some in between. My hope is that regardless of where we are, but particularly for those who are just developing, that as you engage with the Lord in devotions, the three sizes of hand-whipped ice cream, hand-prepared ice cream from Cold Stone Crimean, Creamery will be your desire. Like it, love it, and gotta have it. Anyone Cold Stone Creamery? Anybody? Okay. Hey. Devotions, like it, love it, gotta have it. Now we're gonna be going there in just a moment. I wanna take a brief, very brief amount of time just to underscore what Brian said about this weekend. And, you know, we, we have Memorial Day and Veterans Day. Those are great times. But this is also a time, I think, just to acknowledge those who have, uh, who have served our country. How many of you have, have been in the, the armed forces here? See your hands? God bless you. Thank you so much. You know, those who were at Constitution Hall on July 4th, 
1776, knew by signing their names to the Declaration of Independence, they were putting their lives in harm's way. Many of them gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honors, which is exactly what they signed on to at the end of that Declaration of Independence. One particularly Thomas Nelson, Virginian, when he realized the British had set up headquarters in his house in Yorktown, he said, go ahead and bomb it. And they did. If you've been to Yorktown, today you can still see the cannonball lodged in the side of that house. He gave his entire fortune, um, died with very little assets. There's a story of how Christianity, that, you know, our whole country founded on the Judeo-Christian ethic, um, was lived out so vividly early in our nation's life. One story is that of uh, General Robert E. Lee at Gettysburg. On this very day, 153 years ago, as he was leaving the field, a wounded Confederate soldier or wounded Union soldier saw him along Cemetery Ridge. He had the strength to raise his hand and shout in his face, Hoorah for the Union. General Lee got off his horse, walked to him. The man became uh, mortally afraid. He's, what's going to happen to me? General Lee reached his hand down to him, said, Son, I hope you'll be well soon. That made a lasting impression on that Union soldier. He realized Lee was a man of integrity. Integrity born out of his relationship with the Lord. Almost a year later, on June 30th, his wedding anniversary, he wrote to his precious wife Mary, who was the great-granddaughter of George Washington, about how wonderful the memory of their wedding day was. When he married Mary, he didn't know the Lord. She did. And she prayed for him consistently. 17 years later, he found the Lord. Mary's prayers were answered. So I want to encourage you, as we, as we say more about devotions, don't ever give up on praying. God is in control and he knows. Pray. Pray. You know, regarding the Civil War, many on both sides felt that God was on their side. President Lincoln once said, it's not a matter of whether God is on our side, but rather if we're on his. You know, we look back and uh, we wonder and we can become somewhat discouraged if we allow ourselves to about what has transpired with our nation. Um, As Brian mentioned, our religious liberties are being eroded. Um, There just seems to be accelerating decay in this nation. The family's in decline. Education, and I can tell you that from from having been a professor, that uh, some of the standard things we all took for granted in terms of proper grammar usage, uh, sentence structure, and so forth, it's no longer there. Um... You can obtain a bachelor's 
in English at University of California, Los Angeles, with never having read the first page of Shakespeare. I mean, that's not... Think what? Um, so many other examples how education is in decline. The end of male and female. The end of right and wrong. The end of religion, to some extent. No moral truths. No longer religious basis for morality. And more than the enlightenment, it was the Bible, especially the Hebrew Bible, which is one reason American Christians were different from most European Christians, the guide of the founders. And other American values, not anymore. Instead of being guided by a higher code than themselves, Americans are taught to rely on their feelings, determine how to behave instead of being given moral guidance. Children are asked by their parents, well, how do you feel about that? Um, the end of beauty and the arts. Several examples of what has happened. So what is our response to that? You know, we can wring our hands. Uh, you know, one, one saying, we can curse the darkness, uh, shout and moan and groan, agonize, wring our hands over it. Desire for the way things used to be. Or, and in capital letters, we can light a candle to be a light in the darkness and illuminating the path for those that are trapped in that darkness to find their way to Jesus, who is the light which gives light to every man that comes in the world. That's John 1, 9. We can be the light reflector. In the darkness, we find ourselves in, almost engulfed in in our society today. Now, what's all this have to do with devotional life? Reflecting the light of Christ is result of, not the underlying foundation, however, the goal of doing so, the goal, the purpose, the reason for developing a devotional life is that you might know him. Let me read a scripture portion. Uh, Philippians 3, verses 7 to 14. I'm reading from the uh, New American Standard, which just happens to be um, my favorite translation simply because... I grew up with the King James Version. Um, not the New American Standard, but the New King James. I, I grew up with the King James. The New King James takes uh, some of the king's language, the these and the thou's out, but keeps the original, the original message. And uh, I just really love it. So if you'll join with me as I read and just, uh, just let the Lord speak to you here. And in verse 7, But things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ, yet indeed I also count things loss for the ecstasy of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having my own righteousness which is from the law but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness which is of God by faith that I may know him the power of his resurrection the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. 
That scripture was first shared in such a dramatic fashion with me my freshman year at Oral Roberts University by a professor named Charles Farah. He used it to explain the Apostle Paul's life-consuming passion that he might know Jesus Christ. Nothing else matters in comparison. Nothing. I too desire to know him above all else. The way I pursue that passion is through personal, devoted time to him each day. My prayer and the purpose of this message is that you will do so also. God grant my prayer. Look at some brief definitions. From the Oxford Dictionary, the word devotion means love, loyalty, or enthusiasm for a person. We know who that person is. Activity or cause, synonyms, loyalty, faithfulness, fidelity, constancy, and commitment. Brought a brief passage from the Hillside Church of Bloomington, uh, Minnesota, who weigh in so well on the topic of personal devotions. A time set aside each day for my personal and intentional union with God. Think about that. Wherein He loves me, imparts His life and nature to me, cleanses me, feeds my soul, teaches me, reminds me, delights me, dialogues with me, empowers me and answers my prayers so that I will bear fruit, be more like Jesus and bring glory to God. Hallelujah. That, that just makes me want to shout. That's what it's all about. And the worship team sharing, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Nothing can compare to your presence. Nothing can compare to that quiet time when you've entered the throne room with God. His presence is with you. That's what we're about in our personal devotions. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants for you, O God, from Psalm 42.1. May that be when we pant after him. You know, a few simple things you need for your personal devotions. You, God, the Bible, prayer, and some time. All right, you need it now. Few, if any of us, would disagree. We need a devotional life to know Jesus better. Let me share from some examples from his life that gives us a glimpse into what his devotional life was like. Matthew 14, 13 says, Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. When the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. Sometimes I'm thinking Jesus was just like, I love these people, I'm giving my life for them, but I've got to get away here a little bit. The Son of God took time to, to talk and commune with the Father. And you know, if you've ever wondered about it, sometimes I think, Okay, he's the son of God. When all of a sudden he began realizing, you know, three, four, whenever you start the consciousness thing, was every single word of scripture just resident in him or he could just, you ever think about that? He just, or did he have to learn? You know what? He was full of human. He took on our nature. I, I think he had to learn all this. Okay? If he had to Let's do it all. Let's join with him. Matthew one thirty five. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. And there he prayed. A lot of examples of Jesus writing in the morning. Sometimes uh, spending all night in prayer. As far as the time, you need 
to find a time that is, uh, that's best for you in your schedule. Morning is best for me. It's sort of fresh and, you know, beginning of my day. Um, I asked my wife, I said, do you have any thoughts about, you know, when you were, kids were young and you were trying to deal with all that devotion? She said, I just remember that, you know, I started journaling like back in 1981 and uh, they had a, it's called a Titus II group where the older women helped the younger women at church and um, some of she's began eking out the time. So, you know, particularly young moms with the little ones, all I can tell you is just somehow find a little time. You know, they take a nap or whatever. You want to go take a nap? I understand that. Try to find that, try to find that time. Immediately, Mark 4, or Mark 6, 45 and 46, he made his disciple get in the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethesda. Well, he dismissed the crowd. After they had taken leave of him, he went up in the mountain to pray. Luke 5, 16. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. That whole concept of, of solitude, getting alone with God. Luke 6, 12. In these days he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued to pray, in God, to pray to God. There was an online essay I found that really expressed the importance of Jesus' life and the focus. One of the most important aspects of a healthy devotional life is the ability to just get away. Away from the noise, the clutter, the stress, the busyness, the TV, the Facebook, Twitter, whatever. You know, we just need to set that up. Back on? Okay. You know, I, thought I, heard, I thought I heard a little shift there, but if I knock with my elbow, you know, I get a little demonstrative sometimes. And, uh... May have turned a page too quickly here. Developing a devotional life is foundation of knowing Him. You find it now. How? If you really want to find it, you have to start looking for it. What better place to look than into God's Word? Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says, Ask, it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. To him who knocks, it will be opened. Prayer. We're talking about prayer. This is what Jesus is talking about. Let's apply this to our devotional life. Earnestly ask, seek God with all your heart, and knock unceasingly on the door of heaven. He'll see to it that you receive, find, and that heaven's door is open to you. I want to share with you excerpts from a devotional classic that I use on a daily basis. My utmost for his highest, Oswald Chambers. And these are just sort of... Uh, Objects to use in, in devotions that I'm sharing. A wonderful book. Um, everything you see here 
some other devotional materials, Life Application Study Bible. You can also have, right here, and I have them here, you can also have, right here, and you know, if you're going away from home for a while, pick if you're flying, you know, you put these things in a bag and you've got 20 pounds or so, what are you allowed, 40? So... Technologically, download those. You know, you've got them there. And um, so tomorrow morning, when my wife and I leave for uh, about a week in Gettysburg, um, the Bible and the iPad's going. So I have my devotional materials. Um, here's what Oswald says from um, the May, 20th, May 29th. It serves to emphasize our need to seek him. Cry out with our heart. An undisturbed relationship. At that day, you shall ask in my name, the Father himself loves you. John 16 and 20, uh, to 27. That day is not a day hereafter, but a day meant for the here and N-O-W. That day is a day undisturbed of undisturbed relationship between God and the saint Jesus. Just as Jesus stood unsullied in the presence of his Father, so by the mighty efficacy of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you can be lifted into that relationship that they may be one even as we are one. He will give it you. Jesus says that God will recognize our prayers. What a challenge. By the resurrection and ascension power of Jesus, by the sent down Holy Ghost, we can be lifted in such a relationship with the Father that we are one with the perfect sovereign will of God by our free choice even as Jesus was. In that wonderful place, Position placed there by Jesus Christ, we can pray to God in His name, in His nature, which is gifted us by the Holy Ghost. And Jesus says, Whatsoever you ask in my name, the Father will give it to you. The sovereign character of Jesus Christ is tested by His own statements. Prayer. In your quiet time, learn to pray the Word of God. Pray the Word of God back to Him. His word will not return void. It'll accomplish what he has sent it forth to do. You know, I used to begin my, my morning devotion just thanking God for who he is. And I'll say, Lord, I just come to you this moment in the name of Jesus. And I come according to your word boldly before your throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I mean, isn't that just, that's what we need. That's what we need. Then I'll thank him for who he is. Say, Father, thank you for who you are. As I do that, I begin to enter into worship. Father, you are Jehovah El Rai, the God who sees. You're Jehovah Shammah, the God who is there, who is here. You're Jehovah Rapha, the Lord my healer. You are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider. You're Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner. You are El Shaddai, Lord God Almighty. You are Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord God of hosts. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for all the mighty, awesome, wonderful things you do. But most of all, thanks for giving me your only begotten son, Jesus. To take the just penalty of my sin in his own body on that tree. He knew no new sin. He knew, knew no sin. To become sin for me that I might be made the righteousness of God in him. I thank him for his Holy Spirit. 
I thank Him for His Word. His Word who was made flesh and dwelt among us. His written Word was His lamp unto our feet and a light in our path. I thank Him for the precious family He's giving me. You may think, well, how does all that work together? You know the reason I can do that? The reason that I can pray the Word of God is that I've been in the Word of God. It's living and powerful, abides in me because it's been important to me. The Lord's convicted me of my need to spend time with Him. And as I do that, the Word of God just begins to bubble up and spill out and over and impact my life and to be that light to illuminate the path in a dark world for those who need it so, so desperately. Reading the Word of God, taking time to study the Bible is so important. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrows, discern of the thoughts and intents of the heart. To get to know him, we must get into his word daily. Consistently become intimately acquainted with it. Love and treasure it above all and any other books. In so doing, we'll become more intimately acquainted with with and fall more deeply in love with him. We'll begin to know him and earnestly yearn to know and love him more. That's what your devotional life is all about. Each morning he's patiently waiting for us, so desiring us to get alone and spend time with him. In Sarah Young's devotional, Jesus Calling, the May 30th selection expresses his desire so well. And I would have brought Jesus Calling with me this morning, but... My wife uses the hard hardback copy. So what I'll do is I have it on, you know, on my little iPhone, and I'll after I prayed, I'll pull it up, and as I begin to to read the Word of God, here's what Sarah says from May 30th: Time with me cannot be rushed. When you're in a hurry, your mind flitters back and forth between me and task ahead of you. Push back the demands pressing in on you. Create a safe space around you, a haven in which you can rest with me. I also desire this time of focused attention, and I use it to bless you, strengthening and equipping you for the day ahead. Thus, spending time with me is a wise investment. Bring me the sacrifice of your precious time. Wow. This creates sacred space around you, space permeated with my presence and my peace. And... In the downloaded version, there's always a little scripture. This one is, Let me understand the teaching of your precepts, then I will meditate on your wonders. That's Psalm 119, 27. I mentioned earlier, morning's the best time for me. Um, it's usually the best time for most of us, uh, but that's not a hard and fast rule. Uh, whatever works in your schedule. A good friend of mine, a pastor, he said, you know what matters not so much the time, but that a believer carves out a devotional time there before the Lord with their Bibles and hearts open. Make that commitment to do so. Come before the Lord each day with your heart and your Bible open. Listen to Him speak to your heart. Last point, you keep it now. 1 Timothy 4, 7-9 But reject profane and old wise fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. 
For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things. Having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. A healthy, personal, devotional life is literally the lifeblood of your relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, it is. Just as you must maintain your body to live and function healthily, so you must do so with your devotional life. Little to no time spent in devotions leads to an anemic, listless relationship with Him. Maintaining our personal devotional lives results in the oxygenated, full-orbed life of Jesus Christ coursing in and through us will be vessels of honors fit for the Master's use. Let me suggest a few resources in developing your own devotional life. A study Bible. Uh, I personally use the Life Application Study Bible. Um, happen to have a cover simply because you're using it so much. It can become pretty tattered. Um, why I like to use the Life Application Study Bibles by Tyndall House. has a full range of layman study tools. Absolutely help you become better acquainted with and knowledgeable of God's Word. It's, it's just got a lot of good stuff. You're not sure what, this ver- what it's saying? Look at the study note. It'll help. It may not be exactly, but it sure gives, sheds some light on it. So get a good stu- study Bible. A daily devotional. I've shared I use Oswald Chambers. Um, I think Daily Bread is one that we provide here at church. That's, there are so many. There are some streams in the desert. Um, there are just a lot of good ones. Something to help illuminate the Word of God just a bit more. Send you into your day. Um, well, uh, Jesus Calling, another real good one. A daily Bible reading guide. Um, I personally use, and, and Linda, the uh, Victory Bible Reading Plan by Omega Publications in Medford, Oregon, to read through the Bible each year. takes about 15 minutes a day. Um, yeah, it's amazing as you begin to read through the Bible each year, the things you realize you didn't realize the year before. New things come to life. I want to encourage you to make a commitment. And, and the, the Bible's uh, guided study here, I think it's maybe a couple years, two or three years through the Bible. That's a great one, too. Um, read through the Bible. Make it a commitment. Get to know who he is all about. From in the beginning to the last verse in the book of Revelation. It is about Jesus. You get to know him through getting into the word. Another online, which is a great source I found, it's called um, First 15 by Denison Ministries. It focuses you on scripture to begin with. Then there's a time of, uh, of worship. They'll use have a worship song, maybe Jesus Culture, Bethel Music, one of those groups, where you can enter into his presence a little more focused Bible study, and then, then some applied prayer, about 15 minutes. I would challenge you, particularly those of you who have had little or, or maybe no, commit to doing that. Commit to doing that. And even this month in July, say, okay, you know what? I'm going to look that up. You can get in your email. It's there every morning. Click on that. The devotional life I've developed over the years has been a growing experience. It didn't happen overnight, neither will yours. 
Developing the devotional life will help you thrive in your relationship with Jesus Christ. We need it just as Jesus needed and pursued it during his life on earth. We find it through prayer and Bible study. We keep it by maintaining this daily, taking time alone with God. When we have a healthy and growing devotional life, we will know him and make him known. He will use us as Christ, the light, reflectors in our world, regardless of how dark it may seem, illuminating the path for those who so desperately need to find him. I'm going to finish by uh, reading an excerpt from Jesus' calling that really emphasizes, again, um, our need for this quiet time. And as, as I'm reading, I'm going to ask the, uh, the worship team to come. And those who are on a prayer team, if you'd come up also, they'll get ready to play. And let me, as I read this from Sarah Young, you know, she studied the Word of God extensively, and she's listened, in, listened intently as God has spoke to her. She's written these down as Jesus speaking to her and to you. So here are the words of Jesus, not Sarah Young. Here are the words of Jesus as I read and we get ready to close. This is Jesus. This is Jesus talking to you. As you get out of bed in the morning, be aware of my presence with you. You may not be thinking clearly yet, but I am. Your early morning thoughts tend to be anxious ones until you get connected with me. Invite me into your thoughts by whispering my name. Suddenly your day brightens and feels more user-friendly. You cannot dread a day that's vibrant with my presence. You gain confidence through knowing that I am with you, that you face nothing alone. Anxiety stems from asking the wrong questions. Such and such happens, can I handle it? True question is not whether you can cope with whatever happens, whether you and I together can handle anything that occurs. It is this you and I together factor that gives you confidence to face the day cheerfully. And the scripture, in the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. Psalm 5, verse 3. Would you please stand?